Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with George Ure. Let me tell you a little bit about George, business consultant, financial writer. He has been a senior vice president of an international airline, a vocational school president, had a two-year sales and marketing assignment for a major software company as well. He has a master's in business, publishes the urbansurvival.com website, as well as the peoplenomics.com site. And George, welcome back. Looking forward to this chat with you tonight. It's always great talking with you. Boy, the old market is finished with a bang. It did. Um, that is is both a good thing and a bad thing. Oh, be, because uh, we've been here before. Let, let's look at a couple of numbers. First, All right. Uh, I track things using uh, what I call the aggregate index. Now, the aggregate index assumes that at some point back, say, January 1st of 2000, when techs were still on their way up, that you'd taken 100 bucks into the Dow, 100 bucks into the NASDAQ, and 100 bucks into the S&P 500. And then what you do is you track the progress of those, that, that, that pile of money going forward. And that gets to be interesting because where the stock market became difficult for people to make sense of was when the techs collapsed and the financial industry just simply stopped talking about them. In other words, if you don't talk about it, it never happened. So sure, you can lose $5 trillion in market valuation during the tech wreck, but if you don't talk about the techs and you talk about a great strength of everything else, people tend to wash over it. So it's it's not the first time we've been here. We've we've seen bubbles arise in the past. Uh, 1929 is the big one, and on the com website, I put up a chart uh, just a few minutes ago, and it asks the question, will 2020 be when we replay 1929? Uh-huh. Let's hope not. This year, George, uh, from the, I call it the slaughter of the elves last year, uh, the stock market dropped about 15% from the beginning of December to the market lows around Christmas. But since then, we have come screaming back, and the aggregate from last Christmas to now is up 38%. And you saw, of course, the, uh, the NASDAQ composite closed above 9,000 today. Yeah, huge. Huge, huge deal. And I I wish I could tell you I was up 38% for the year, but I'm good at analytics, but I tend to trade too far ahead of the market. And and that's something that I think everyone's got a problem with. Um, The market moves slower than smart people think and faster than dumb people think. (laughs) And and so when you're plotting out your financial future for 2020, you have to sit back and say, okay, the market will have these couple of hundred point down days, and it'll have the couple of hundred point up days. But the simplest way I've found to keep track of that stuff is to just watch it as a trend channel and try and figure out the overall direction of the market be on that side of the market, and that should do okay for you in 2020. Now, the problem 
is that whenever you have a big market decline, like we had last Christmas, uh, what you'll see is there will be a decline about 60 to 70 weeks after that washout low. And what seems to drive part of that is people keep an eye on the calendar. They look at the calendar and say, well, let's see, if I hold on to my stock 52 weeks and I've got more than a year in a position, Mm -hmm. I can qualify for long-term capital gains rates, which lowers your tax burden on making money. Considerably. A lot, yeah. It's like 20% or some ridiculously low level. And, and, and that's that's a separate policy question, which is bound to come up in politics, because originally that um, that 20% capital gains rate was put in place so that there would be lots more capital formation. The problem today is we got gobs of capital, and it's just sitting on the sidelines. And that's uh, evidenced by a figure we look at called M uh, velocity of money at M2. Essentially, the money is sitting on the sidelines. Why do anything? Why be at risk when you can have a big pile of money and just sit back and print more for yourself effectively? What happened, George, in 1929, 90 years ago, for that crash? Well, what happened was, was very similar to what's going on now. It, it's all caused, in, in part at least, by a technological overlap. When you have several new industries all coming online at the same time, and the old ones haven't gone away completely, well, what happens is you, you get uh, uh, a real bubble in employment, the uh, number of jobs unfilled in America today is probably higher than it was even in the 1920s. And, and so as a result of that, uh, the times were exceptionally good, and everybody is confident. The problem is, at some point, the old industry begins to go away, and you settle into normal growth for the new industry. Now, in the 1920s case, that involved... On the going outside, you had the end of horse-drawn agriculture. Uh, draft animals went away, but you still had a lot of street sweepers because even up through the 20s, there were still products being delivered in major urban areas by uh, horse-drawn teams and so forth. And, and, and that causes ripple employment in things like street sweepers, and people tend to forget that horses are messy. So you have that old industry carrying on. Then you had the new industry, which was automobiles, and you had another new industry called radio, and then you had all of the other uh, technological things that were spinning off from those core items. For example, advertising. Advertising agencies were huge in the uh, late uh, 1920s, because they, they evolved to fill the needs of radio. Mm-hmm. That's in, in, right. in a similar way, what's going on now is we've got, we can see we've got um, uh, AI coming down the pike. We've got additional networking. We've got robotics, self-driving, autonomous vehicles. Yet at the same time, Boeing's max problems notwithstanding, we're still building airplanes. We're still building computers. As small and great as our 
our uh, smartphones are. There are still desktops. And, and ubiquitous computing is not here yet. So we have all of these things demanding lots of smart people to work for us. And that's why we have such high employment right now. <clears throat> when we start to see the rollout of the robotics, the real rollout of AI, um, that's when we start to see the end of some of the other technologies, and that's when the unemployment rates ought to begin to climb back up again. Do you see a war in 2020? No, probably not. Um, uh, a good friend of mine, I call him my consigliere, uh, was down visiting Elaine and I over uh, Thanksgiving. He, he's an attorney, uh, CPA, does taxes in a uh, a Midwest state. And he looks at cycles in long-wave economics, very similar to how I look at them. He, he did some work that uh, turned up a 72-year war cycle. And in the countries right now that are hot on the 72-year war cycle are uh, India, Pakistan, which is still bubbling away. Uh, and also uh, Israel was founded in, what was it, 1948, yeah. Yep. So we've got we've got that one coming of age in 2020. Uh, but in terms of the U.S., uh, it looks more like 2025, 2026. We haven't had our, our big crash yet. And until we get the big crash, we don't get the big depression. But in, in the typical sequence, you'll have uh, a blow-off. Uh, then you'll have an excess correction. Uh, and people will really pull in their horns, start not spending money on anything. And part of that is due to an effect called consumer supersaturation. And what that means is everybody's already got three of everything. Um, but, you know, I, I wander around our place. But, but they want more, George. Oh, yeah, 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 no question. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, for, for, for two people in their 70s, do we really need uh, four 55-inch TVs and wires? <laughs> you know, but, but I'm looking at the OLEDs, and I'm going, well, hell, OLED would be kind of cool. So, you know, it, it, it's that kind of excess consumption. When the excess consumption rings out and people say, well, you know, I'm not sure about the future. I think I'll save money. Well, then you get these piles of, of capital getting even bigger on the sidelines, and so government needs to find ways to get people to work. The way you get people to work is you make up government programs, which is where things like Hoover Dam, Grand Coulee, all of those massive public works projects of the 30s came from. And that's also when ideas like uh, interstate highway systems and, you know, to really expand the federal highway system uh, were beginning to be talked about. At the same time, Germany was building the first of the autobahns prior to uh, World War II. And, and, and that's how depressions typically end. You give people a, a big enough war, everybody's going to spend, you're going to break all of those nice toys we've been collecting in our storage units, and now you've got a rebirth of an economy waiting to happen. And as my late father used to say, if you really want to have a successful country, pick a war with the U.S. and wait 20 years. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.